Bonjour, Chekamisa. I hope everyone has had a very wonderful week. Yes. Yeah, I can tell from the smiley faces. Amen. The Lord is good. Yeah. This morning I want to share with you, but before I share with you, I want to take time to really thank Pastor Bank and Pastor Sharon. You both have been a blessing to me. I thank you for how the Lord has allowed you to help me to grow. That I can stand here this morning is because of what Jesus has done and because of what you poured into my life. And so I do not take I do not take these times for granted. Um, so just want to take time to say thank you this morning. I pray that the grace of God that is upon your life will abound more and more. Amen. And that that which God has given to you and trusted into your hand, you will see the fruit of it to the glory of God in the name of Jesus. So I want to say to you, I love you from the depth of my heart. Amen. Okay. Glory to God. <laughs> uh, last week, um, Pastor posed a question to us um, before he shared. And the question was, um, why is it that we receive the promises of God and nothing changes in our lives in comparison to characters in the scripture that you see that receive the promises of God and there's a significant change in their lives. Even though pastor answered it, I still went home and pondered further. I had to take a look into my life and wonder, why is that though? And that allowed me to do a bit of a reflection. And so this morning, I'm going to talk on the promise of God. And then I'm going to derail just a little bit and then come back again to it. I kind of like defined for myself then what the promise of God is. And this is what I came up with to define the promise of God. It's a journey from revelation to manifestation. That's what I call the promise of God. It's a journey from revelation to manifestation. It's moving from the familiar to the extraordinary. That's what the promise of God is. And the thing about the promise of God many times is we think it's so far away. The truth be said, it's because many times religion has posed so many lies to us. Religion thrives on two things. The illusion of delay and distance. In other words, the illusion of delay by saying that there are things that you need to do in order to attain the promise. Illusion of distance also by saying to you, it's not yet fulfilled. And for so many years, because of that lies, many of us have not been able to come into that place that God has for us or God has finished for us. The truth be said, 
every promise of God, it's already been fulfilled in Christ. Open with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 19, chapter 1 verse 19 and 20. I want to give scriptures to back up what I'm saying. 2 Corinthians chapter 19. For the Son of God, Christ Jesus, who was preached amongst you by us, by me and Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but is yes in him. Verse 20. For as many as are the promises of God, in him they are yes, therefore also through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. So that says to us, it doesn't matter what the promise is. It is already fulfilled in Jesus. The issue is, why is it not manifesting in our lives? I think that's the question we need to ask. Now to get to this answer, I'm going to change lanes just for a little bit. I want you to please open with me to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. Now, this particular scripture here is almost the foundation for your understanding the promises and the fulfillment of the promises that you have in Christ. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus elevates us above our circumstances. That's what he does. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus enables us to live an extraordinary life in our day-by-day ordinary lives. That's what the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus does. And this is practiced in every circumstance that we may encounter. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Amen? When Paul would express the ordinary day life that we live, In Acts chapter 17, verse 28, he said, In him we live and move and have a being. Amen? It is the same law that I believe, not explicitly written, but inferred, that Paul says, calls the law of grace, the law of faith. It is also the law of association and the law of identification. Because the law of the, of, of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, it links man to a greater reality than what is due, is reward, or punishment. Amen? Here it is. The law of identification reveals that what happened to Jesus at the same time happened to mankind. In other words, one died for all, therefore all have died. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14. The law of association says that we were in him before the foundation of the world. That's Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. 
and it says we're crucified, co-crucified and co-raised with him. Romans chapter 6, verse 4 to 5. It is this law that explains why we are winners without entering into a race. I want to repeat it. It is this law that says why we are winners without entering into a race. How we could be conquerors without being in a battle. How we can gain a harvest without laboring. And how we could seize from our own labors. That is what this law is about. It is this same law that says to us, God has removed from us the sin nature, though we may have sin habits, but we have a life that is expressed in and through Christ. Amen? It is because of this law we get to understand that God enabled us to be complete in Christ and then to grow in the knowledge of our completeness. It is this law that makes us understand that God gave us everything up front and then teaches us how to walk in it. The truth here is, you and I are designed to carry a life that holds more than we can contain. That is the reason why The scripture says to us, we are almost like a conduit. We have to give away constantly. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now, to understand the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus takes a different mindset completely. Because to live a life in Christ, it almost means... You have to think like God thinks. You have to have the same perception that God has. You have to have the same viewpoint of stuff as God has. It requires a mind that is renewed. It requires a mind that takes its cues from the life of Christ. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. What then is a renewed mind? A renewed mind is a spirit of revelation. A renewed mind is not about diligent study. A renewed mind is understanding the be- from beginning to the end what the life of Christ is all about. The thing is, Whatever we think about God is the most important aspect of our lives. Because whatever we think about God carries itself out in the circumstances that faces us. So, I can scream and shout all day saying that I'm bold. But when I face things that intimidate me, it makes the world of difference. You know, I've said this to you many times that I love lions. Um, Pastor Larry came and talked about lion this morning and then he had me just praying. 
there's just something about lions. I mean, a few people that surround me don't like lions. I really can't think in my mind why anybody would not like a lion. I mean, we're talking about a lion, the boldest animal on the face of the earth. I watched a documentary one time, and these lions were going after this elephant. And the commentator said something. He said, I'm not sure anybody told the lion that the elephant is bigger than it is. So I want to talk about boldness, um, um, but that's not part of my message. I'm just derailing a little bit. I just want to give an analogy and then come to this. So there was these adolescent lions. Um, I won't call them cubs anymore. They're grown, somewhat grown. And they watch their parents, you know, run after um, uh, the prey, grab the prey, big ones, you know. And they, they, they thought to themselves, oh, come on. Piece of cake. I can get hold of this. There were about six of them. So I, you know how children are, especially boys, they, they just do stuff. So they went after these um, ox. And I think they said the ox weighs maybe about 2,000 pounds. Now imagine these lions, they were just this, they're just growing up, you know. Uh, they're teaching them little by little how to, you know, um, take a prey. And so all six of them went after these ox and... Um, it was kind of like um, isolated from the rest of the pack that it was part of. So they went after it, started jumping on it, holding his throat, trying to see how they can grab something from his body, just, just trying and trying effortlessly, kept trying effortlessly. So I think it dawned on these ox that, come on, these ones are just, let me teach them something or two. So I, he, he hissed a little bit and had the help of another ox coming. And before he knew what was happening, all six of these lions, I mean, they had a scar. That this commentator said it took them four months to heal. I, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, by the time they were done with them, in fact, one of them jumped to the top of a tree and was so scared that even when the ox was trying to pull on the tree to get it to drop, I'm sure his heart was gone from his chest. He was going, my goodness gracious. So finally... Their moms came around and you can just tell whatever language you're speaking. They said, that's a good lesson for you. It's a lesson in what next to do. So I'm saying that to say there's a way in which the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, when it settles within us, we're not intimidated by anything. Then you can say boldly, by God, I can run through a troop and by him, I can leap over the wall. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is a law that transforms man. It transforms your way of thinking. Because what it requires is that you have a different mindset completely. And so to buttress this point, I want to open a few scriptures. And you know, as I talk about this, there are a few topics when it comes to the grace of God that has really blessed my life. It's transformed me. One of them is the love of God. It took me a long time to embrace that love. I couldn't understand why I didn't have to do something to earn the love of God. I felt like I had to do something to earn that love. 
So much so, my life was very busy because I felt like in my busyness, I was earning God's love. A few of you would wonder what took place in my life, the transformation that took place, even though I don't see a whole lot of it yet. I know that I'm growing in grace. But what has helped me, and that's why many times I thank Pastor Bank and Pastor Sharon, because many times it's good for you to have people in your life that though you may not see where you're going, they see where you're going, and they can help you. Because God has allowed them to be guides in your life. This is more like a testimony for me and as well as ministering. For a long time, the different things that I did in the body, I felt like validated me. And if I'm busy, I'm sweating, I felt like I was getting some things done. And when change comes... It's almost as if you're taking away something from me that God says he loves me because. Because that's where I felt I was loved. I grew up in an atmosphere where everything I did, I had to earn some sort of love. I was very young, at a very young age, you know, I was just coming to myself when my mother died and my father died. Thank you, Lord. When Pastor Bang pulled me aside and said, the next message you preach, I want you to talk about yourself. I ran away from it. Finally, he came to me a few weeks ago and said, you're going to have to teach that message. I had to sit down and reflect my life to find out why I did most of the things that I did. So when my dad and my mom passed at an early age, everyone... While growing up, the only thing I knew from my parents was a lot of discipline. And I think I was sharing with a few people last week. When I grew up to be myself, you know how many of you, when you turn 20 something, is when you now become friends with your parents? That's when you share deep stuff with them and all. So when I came to that age, they had gone. And I really did not know that that those were the things that were informing the things that I was doing. Because I've always felt like if I hold on to it long enough, I can get a few validation from it. 
two years ago, Pastor Bank came to me and said, Tosi, I need to shift you to something else. All of a sudden, it felt like, again, an end to something. Because I was always used to, when things about to start, it just ends. It starts and it ends. Because my sister that took over as my mom passed. And I said, my goodness gracious. So it was difficult to hold something and not hold it for long. And when you want to take it away from me, it's almost as if you're taking away something that spoke back love to me. But I'm saying all of that to say this. When I now began to understand the love of God, I realized the love of God is not in what I do. That I'm just loved. Then changes began in my life. I began to see growth. I began to see transformation. I began to see myself light-weighted. Because things no longer validate who I am. My validation came when Jesus said, it is finished. I now began to understand the love of God. From there, I began to understand who I am. My identity in God. It became the second thing that transformed me. The third thing is what I'm about to talk about here this afternoon. I had to take on the mind of Christ. I don't know if you're like me. I have a million things that go through my head in one second. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking I'm like a highway of traffic that never stops. You hear the buzzing, the horns, and all of that. It just keeps going. I have a very active mind. Even while I began to understand the love of God for me, the one thing I did not know how to do many times was to calm my mind. It, it brought about hastiness in decision-making. It brought about bad decisions. It was what was going on in my mind. I mean, so bad that I would go to sleep at 2 a.m. and by 4.30, I'm up. Because my mind was active. And I just couldn't get it to come. But then I now saw this scripture. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Oh, that liberated me completely. I now understood 
that to have the flow of this life means everything that I do has to flow from it. Whether it's my action, my thoughts, everything that I do, flow from this law that is at work in my life. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I recognize then that to have the mind of Christ has really nothing to do about thinking yet. Thinking is a byproduct of the mind of Christ. These are things I had to learn. I want you to please open with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter 2. From verse 11. It says, For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. For we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things really given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. Lastly, for who has known the mind of the Lord, that he will instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. Have this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Give me that in NKJV. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, to take on the mind of Christ is almost as if you want to take off your head and replace it with that of Christ. That's what the scripture is literally saying to you there. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, like I said, elevates you above your circumstances. How does that happen? It takes the mind of Christ. I know there are youth amongst us here, and I don't want to lose you guys along the way. Let me explain in your terms what I would think is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. How many of you have seen the movie Aladdin? Yeah, Aladdin, the youth, the Aladdin, okay. You remember the magic carpet, right? I remember when um, um, Aladdin went to Princess, uh, Princess Yasmin and told her to come ride on this magic carpet. You remember that? And you remember how when they were on the carpet and they were flying, she saw the wall from a different viewpoint. It was almost as if the palace that she lived in was nothing in comparison to what she saw when she was on the magic carpet. Do you guys follow me? Now, imagine that that is the life of Christ and more. That whatever understanding you have of God right now, it is nothing compared to when you enjoy the life that is in Christ that elevates you above every other thing. 
You guys, are you, you, are you following me? Are you following me? You remember the song that, um, what's her name? Um, Aladdin sang with Yasmin, um, with Princess Yasmin at that point. You remember the lyrics of that song? That's it. It says, a whole new world, a new fantastic point of view. No one to tell us no or where to go or say we are only dreaming. I think there's one more. A whole new world, a dazzling place I never knew. But when I'm up way up here, it's crystal clear. That now I'm in a whole new world with you. That's what it means to be in Christ, children. Because from the viewpoint of Christ, you are in a different world completely. You have a life that enables you to live above your circumstance. You have a life that enables you to live above the temptations and above every pain in the world. That is what the life of God is all about. Are you following me, youth? I don't want to lose you guys. So now we talked about the life of God. Now we're talking about the mindset. Now to enjoy this life, remember what Aladdin said to Yasmin. He said, he said to her when she comes on this carpet, he wants her to think differently from when they were in the palace. So what I'm saying now is in order to enjoy this life of Christ, you have to have a different mindset. And that mindset is the mind of Christ. Are you following me? Do you understand me, youth? Now, the life of Christ, once again, I said, elevates you above your circumstances. But to enjoy this life of Christ... There are some things that begin that has to begin to take place in one's life. First and foremost, one of the things that holds us back from the mind of Christ is unbelief. And thus unbelief can be fed by our environment, whether it's culture. It can also be fed by our habits. This unbelief also at the same time can be fed by our past experiences. In other words, the things that I'm familiar with affects me from holding on to the mind of Christ in any given situation. If I'm used to a set of ways, it's almost difficult to change my mindset. The truth is, it is circumstances that help determine the mind that we have. Because if you look at the life of Christ, nothing daunted him. I mean, he was sleeping in the midst of a boisterous wind. They had to wake him up. When I'm in my house and the roof is going haywire from a wind, I'm up. I'm wondering what in the world is the roof about to come off? But Jesus was sleeping in the midst of it all. When they asked him to pay for tax, he paid it a different way. But nothing moved him because Jesus had the mind of his father. Are you following me? Open with me to the book of John chapter 14. Let me build the case of Jesus having the mind of the father. And then I'll build this message and then we'll be ready to go. John chapter 14 verse 20. It says, at that day you will know that I am in my father and you in me. And I in you. You know, when I, whenever I read this scripture, it really amazes me. 
when Jesus, I mean, there's just this union that is explaining. There's this union that he says you are part of this union. In other words, Jesus saying, I am in my, my, I'm, I'm in, I'm, my father is in me. I'm in my father. You in me, I in you. We are all intertwined. In other words, Jesus said, anything that I do, it has to first come from my father. If my father shows me, I will do it. He did say that there's nothing that I do that is outside of my father. That's the, that's, the, that's the case for Jesus. So in our case, putting on the mind of Christ means we literally have to get our cues from Christ. We cannot afford to get our cues from ourselves. Because if I advise myself, I will fail. I just gave you an example of my own advice to myself. In advising myself, it was one failure after another after another. That when situations come, I want to grab it in my own understanding and express it through my own understanding as well. But I realized that the life of God cannot compete with this. Because the Bible says that the carnal mind and the things of the spirit are enemies one to another. They cannot coexist. So it's either I have the mind of Christ or I have my own mind. I can't juggle between the two. I cannot put them together. That's why Jesus said, you can't put a new wine in an old wine skin. Because for you to operate this newness of life, it requires you to have the mind of Christ. Let me give you a case in point. Let me bring it home. So I'm at work, and I work with Brother Greg, and Brother Greg gets on my nerve all the time, all the time, and there's a reason why I'm calling Brother Greg, he knows, Brother Greg gets on my nerve all the time, so I go to my colleague, and I talk about Brother Greg to my colleague, and my colleague just said, you know what, just ignore him. And when he says anything, just reply him. Most of us, that's the advice we get. Or, go and report him to his boss. Go over his head. I'm talking about the mind of Christ. That's the way the world would advise me to handle that matter. In fact, we may have manuals at work that tells us how to escalate matter when we have issue with our colleagues. We would have that. <laughs> SOP. Whereas in the kingdom of God is a different mindset completely. So you find that this law, the variance, what God wants you to do and what is being written that you should do. So now the mind of God is saying, I go to Greg. I, and I mean, I really don't like Greg. I, I'm, I don't mean lightly. I mean that person that gets on your nerve. When they're coming through the door, your heart skips. Whew, here they come again. And then the mind of God says, you know what we're going to begin? We're going to begin to pray for this person. Oh, Jesus, are you kidding me? Pray for who? To even mention their name in prayer is a distaste already. And then now God takes it a step further. I want you to cook something and take it to Greg. Or buy something and take it to Greg. Oh, come on, God. Of all the things to ask me, it's not, it shouldn't be this. That's a classic example. Let me give it to those of us that are in business. 
So there's a contract that is about to be given out. And you know you're vying for this contract. And the steps that God is setting, telling you to take are different from what you feel inclined to do. You know John Doe that is on the board that is about to give that contract. Your first inclination is to go to John Doe. John Doe, don't forget me. Please, you just make sure you put in the word in there for me. Okay, yeah, city of Atlanta. Don't forget to put in that word for me. Don't forget to put in that word for me. And John Doe goes, okay. Whereas God's own cases, calm down. I've finished it all in Christ. Take on an attitude of thanksgiving. I've gone before you. But many times we're so impatient that our mind takes over from the things that God is telling us to do. I'm talking about putting on the mind of Christ. Like, you know, I like to use natural analogies many times if I've used some from the scripture. How many of you saw this movie, A Beautiful Mind? You've seen the movie, A Beautiful Mind? Just a few? Oh, God. Okay. Okay. Here's what, here's what A Beautiful Mind, the, the, the backdrop of the story. It's a real life story, actually. It's a story of a guy called John Nash. Um, he's an economist and math graduate. I mean, a genius. Don't let me just use a graduate. He solved world mathematical problems. They went to him if they had problems. Government employed him to find out patterns from magazine. When Soviet Union was sending... Um, Intel through magazines and all of that. They, they employed him to find patterns in magazine in order to decode anything the Soviet Union was bringing. Amen? So there's John Nash. He got to a point in his life. He became delusional. So he lived two mindsets. The delusional mind and the John Nash mind. Okay? Now, the delusional mind, he will keep talking to like he sees people. He will see people and he will talk to them. And while talking to them, everybody will be wondering, what's wrong with this guy? You understand? Yeah, we are with You know, it's, it's, in other words, have you gone mad? Yeah, he did, he did go mad. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to bring home a point here when it comes to the mind of Christ and our mind both together. How that both of them cannot coexist. Now, John Nash was so brilliant that he had colleagues that envied him. But when he lost his mind, he lost his mind to the extent that his, there was a day his wife was outside, right? And um, she saw the shed, their shed door going back and forth. And it was an old shed. It shouldn't have been anything in there. She went in there. She saw newspaper clippings all around the wall. And she was bothered about it and said, okay, right now I think that I've concluded that he's delusional. So she rushed into the house just so to talk to him. And then he found that he was bathing their son and left the son in the bathtub. And he was talking to this delusional person 
over there. You get what I'm saying? And he was telling this delusional person, told the wife that he told this person to take care of the baby. And the baby was about to drown. And so the wife was, became scared. What is the analogy of this? Because I have another part of it. The baby to them was a promise. But John Nash was operating from an insane mind in relating to the baby. And for many of us, when we take our mind to handle the promises of God or the life that we have in Christ, that's what it exactly looks like. Many times the promises drown. Many times we see the things that we hold on to begin to drown because we're handling it from a different mindset. It took the help of his wife to get him back on track. And when they had an interview with him, I want you to, I want to read a clip of what he wrote and then I'm going to now go into how do we develop the mind of Christ? How do we grow in the mind of Christ? He says, but after my return to the dreamlike delusional hypothesis in the later 60s, I became a person of delusionally influenced thinking, but of relatively moderate behavior, and thus tended to avoid hospitalization and the direct attention of psychiatrists. Thus further time passed, then gradually I began to intellectually reject some of the delusionally influenced lines of thinking, which had been characteristics of my orientation. This began most recognizably with the rejection of politically oriented thinking as essentially as a hopeless waste of intellectual effort. So at the present time, I seem to think rationally again in the style that is characteristics of a scientist. Until you and I begin to think in the style that is characteristics of the kingdom, we are always going to be mixing between our mind and the mind of Christ. And either we take on the mind of Christ and see the fulfillment of the things that have been fulfilled already in Christ, or we continue to walk in our mindset and we find ourselves dragging on on a daily basis. You can't see the manifestation of the promises if you handle it in your own way of thinking. It has to change. You have to allow the life of Christ to flow. Without the life of Christ and the mindset of Christ, we can begin to understand the things that have been given to us of Christ. And you know, the reason why I pay more attention to that now is because I've looked at the life of Christ and I've seen everything about it. You in me and I in you. And together we are in the Father. So that our cues are taken from the life of the spirit that is in us. The Bible says as many as are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. There is no way my mindset can fathom the things that have been given to me in Christ. My thinking has to change. My perception has to change. 
The first thing that I have to do to put on the mind of Christ is I have to unlearn the old way of thinking. Oh, you have to. Pastor Bang taught two years ago from John chapter 3 about believing. I went back to that message and I went back again to that scripture. And for the first time, I understood what he was saying. Because when Pastor Bang began this message many years ago, I was following it, but I really wasn't following it. Because many of them went over me. I was like, what, 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 what? But let me give you this. When Jesus said, except you think like a child, you cannot experience the kingdom of God. That's what a translation says. Go with me to John chapter 3. And I want to read John chapter 3 from the verse message version. Please. John chapter 3 from verse 3. John chapter 3 from verse 3. Number one thing that has to go, you have to unlearn the old ways. Jesus said, you are absolutely right. Take it from me. Unless a person is born from above, it is impossible to see what I'm pointing to, to God's kingdom. How can anyone, said Nicodemus, be born who has already been born and grown up? You can't re-enter your mother's womb and be born again. What are you saying with this born from above talk? Jesus said, you are not listening. Let me say it again. Unless a person submits to this original creation, the wind hovering over the water creation, the invisible moving the visible, a baptism into a new life, it is, not it is not possible to enter the kingdom of God. Let me bring it home. Many times we say, be born again. And we use that phrase casually because for many of us, it's something that we've heard of old. But what Jesus was saying here to Nicodemus, to be born again, I want to retrain you like a child that has been born. You do know when you have a child, you have to begin training the child all over. How to walk, how to talk, how to conduct themselves. That's what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus. I want to retrain you. I want to take away the old way of thinking. And for me to do this, I want to make it as graphic as possible. You are going to be like a child. For you and I to, and to begin to have the mind of Christ... The first thing is to unlearn our old habits. Because your old habits is going to be in variance with what God is saying. Creation like it was in the beginning. So that like Jesus, when you are given any task to do, you make sure you have the direction of the Holy Spirit in doing them. And like Pastor Bang said last week, one of the problems that most of us have is the patience to follow God in the things that God is leading us to do. So number one thing, to grow in the mind of Christ, you have to unlearn your old habits. Number two, you have to see as God sees. You see, words like see and behold, they become a vital part of your life. When God was going to bring Moses finally to the mindset of where God wanted him to be, he said, Moses, see. In Joshua chapter 6, in verse 1, God said to Joshua, see. 
Are you following me? When Elijah's servants saw the number of armies that was before them, the only thing Elijah said was, Lord, I pray that you will open his eyes to see. Seeing and behold becomes a vital aspect of our growth in God. It means walking in the revelation of Christ. It means seeing as God sees. These are part of what helps us to grow in the mind of God. Number three. When our mind is renewed, our language changes. Because I then will speak like Jesus speaks. When I see a situation... I speak like he would speak. So that when I see darkness, I, see, I speak light. When I see chaos, I speak peace. That's what happens when we grow in the mind of Christ. Number four. How to grow in the mind of Christ. It takes prayer. You know one of the things that has really helped me in growing in the mind of Christ is... When I wake up every morning to pray, I take time. The first 10-15 minutes, I use it in meditation. I use it to calm my mind. I meditate most times on the love of God for me. I meditate most times on, 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 on the mercy of God. I meditate most times on the power of God. And as I take on this time of meditation, it flows into my prayer time. That I'm able to pray the mind of Christ anytime during my prayer. Amen? Number five, the word of God. And you really have to study the word of God from the viewpoint of the finished work of Christ. So that when I look at the promises of God, I see them in the light of the finished work of Jesus versus me trying to earn the things of God. In other words, the promises of God can only be manifested as long as I see through the eyes of God and I put on the mind of Christ. Amen? Now, what is the outcome of a renewed mind? What does it look like? A mind that is renewed. Here's what a mind that is renewed looks like. It is restrained from speculation. It denies the enemy from affecting our soul. It restricts an emotional attack against us. Your thought pattern becomes subjected to the environment of the spirit. You build confidence. And finally, in our less... Christ becomes more. And in our more, we know that he is greater. That's when problems become possibilities and our perspectives of situations will be different. You then know that there's a promise to every problem. So that when you see lack, you know there's a promise of abundance. When you see sickness, you know there's a promise of healing. When you see chaos, you know there's a promise of peace. And when ever you see yourself doubting. You know there's faith. What am I saying? 
the life, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus can only be enjoyed when I put on the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ requires that I do and I take my cues from Christ. Amen? We're going to pray this afternoon. I want you to please stand to your feet. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, I have a mic on. Let's, let's just sit for a, for a second. Um, one of the things she men mentioned was that we need to see as God sees. Most of us understands the blessings of the cross. How that through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, the manifestation of God's love and grace towards mankind, the finished work that Jesus accomplished at the cross, is brought salvation to all mankind. Now, all mankind is not saved. That's not what I'm saying. But the provision for the salvation for all mankind was accomplished at the cross. Unbelievers must still believe it for them to be saved. So we, we understand that. So most of us understand how this grace of God and the love of God demonstrated through the cross has brought us salvation. The challenge for many of us in our real life, in our reality, is how we manifest and bring experientially that grace of God to bear in a day-to-day -day situation. Do you follow what I'm saying? And the missing key there, because I want us to pray now, and I really want to give you guys a key so that you, you, we don't just get stuck. You know what it means to get stuck? You just get stuck. You're not able to move forward. We need to understand God's pattern is way of manifesting grace in experientially. Now, let me just take you to a scripture. She mentioned it in John chapter 12. How do I see what God says? How do I see? John chapter 12. In verse 21. Then they came to Philip. No, let me start for verse 20. Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip who was from Bethsaida of Galilee and asked him saying, what were they asking? Sir, we wish to see Jesus. How many of us here today say, no, I want to see Jesus manifest in my life? You're in the right crowd. Yeah. I want to see Jesus. I want to see him at my work. I want to see him in my family. I want to see him when I'm at play. I want to see him when I'm at school. I want to see him manifest every day. You know what? There's only one way to do it. There's only one way to do it. And the only way to manifest Jesus in wherever you are, in whatever you're doing, is through the cross. Through the cross. That's a part of grace we've not fully taught and understood. So when the request came to Jesus, and they said, we wish to see Jesus. Notice. Verse 22, Philip and Andrew Look, Philip came and told Andrew, and Andrew in turn told Jesus. Verse 24, Jesus answers. You want to see me? Do you really want to see me? Greg, do you want to see me? 
I know you are difficult to get along with, but do you want to see me? <laughs> Verse 24 gives us the answer. Unless, no, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. This is the principle we've not learned on how to put into operation. There is nothing that God has given me and you are, you and I, He forces us to die. Man, it's like I'm speaking mysteries. Every promise of God to you and I first goes through a death process, a cross process, before it brings forth, brings forth life. Every, every promise of God. There's always a season in God's promise to you and I where it seems like it's died. The promise is in the ground, lying dormant. Looks like nothing is happening with it. There is no man of God that God has ever used or woman of God that God has ever used that didn't go through that death process. Go and ask Joseph. He got a promise. The promise sent him to Egypt. From Egypt to to servanthood. From servanthood to prison. Ask him all these years. How is the promise? Is it alive? You say, this God, I don't understand him. Not knowing that the death period is what God is using to prepare him for the manifestation. That is the principle of the cross. Jesus, the son of God, came to the earth to be king of kings. But for three years, he was mocked, ridiculed, rejected, and had to what? Die. And unless he what? Died, he could not be king of kings. Are you different? Go and ask Apostle Paul. God said, I've chosen him to be my vessel to bear my my message to the Gentiles. But I will show him the things he will suffer. (laughs) This is the part of grace message we don't share because we were not ready for it. But from this moment forward, you need to get it. Because if you don't get it, you will never understand how to really unlock the mysteries and the manifestations of what God is doing in your life. For many of us, we are in that death process and we are fighting it. We are cursing at it. We are murmuring, grumbling, complaining, not recognizing that God is using that cross principle to prepare you for the time when you're going to rule and reign. Because only those who suffer with him will also what? Reign with him. If you want to reign, show me your suffering. Now, when I say suffering, let me qualify that. I'm not talking about not being able to pay your rent. I'm not talking about allowing cancer in your body and you just accept it. This must, No, that is not true. Everything we've been redeemed for, we need to stand against and believe God for God's perfect will in those areas of life. But one thing God did not guarantee you that the blood did not cover you on is persecution and ridicule and rejection. You cannot find it in the Bible. You can never find that in the Bible. So I want you to understand, if you want to see Jesus, you must be willing to be broken. Mm. 
except a corn of wheat falls into the ground, it goes down and dies. It abides alone. But when it dies, it brings forth much fruit. If you were to ask the corn of grain when it was dying, it would say it's over. It would say night has come upon me. It would say this is a disaster. Look at me. I was one grain. Now I've disintegrated. I've died. What good can come out of this? Not knowing that that is the principle of the cross. Out of death comes forth life. How can there be a resurrection when there's no death? We all want to minister in the power of his resurrection. All right? How can that happen if there's no death? You can only resurrect that which has died. So like she's saying, we must put on the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ tells me what I'm going through here will not finish me. What I'm going through here, it may look bad, but no, it is not my end. It is my process of being prepared to reign. Hallelujah. That is the mind of Christ. In Luke 24, the Bible says those disciples walking with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, they were with him and did not recognize him. They could not see him. They could not see who he was. How can you be with Jesus in person, physically, and still don't recognize him? Can I just read that? And we're going to pray. Luke chapter 24. Because this fast that's coming up is to help us to see him. We want to see as he sees. Okay? Luke 24. In verse 28. Then they drew near to the village where they were going and he indicated that he would have gone further but they constrained him saying abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is fast spent and he went in to stay with them watch this how did they know who he was verse 30 now he came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Look at verse 1. Then and only then did their eyes open and they knew him. They did not know him until he took bread, blessed the bread, which means he gave thanks for it, and then broke it. Don't you know that me and you are bread and we can never be useful to God until we are broken? It is in the breaking of the bread that our eyes open. In other words, as you are going through your death experience, the moment or the time when you are, things are not working, where it looks like darkness is upon you, where you're confused and things seem to be against you, in those moments when you have put on the mind of Christ and you come out of those dark age, if you will, then you say, wow. This is what God was doing all the while I did not recognize it. That is when you come to know him. Apart from the breaking, you don't really know him. But when you've been broken and gone through the experience, you know him and you know him and you know him. Why? You've experienced him. Yes. 
you've gone through the storms and you come out on the other side and you can say yes God has been my helper will you stand to your feet this afternoon Hallelujah. Amen. I just want us to take a minute or two. We're going to get into...